Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Corey Walsh podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking to Aram Havan today about the Premier League and how it's coming back very soon, June 17th. We're going to be talking about teams that benefited from this break, teams that didn't. What are these new rule changes going to be like? There's going to be whole types of new strategy in the game as we know it. And overall, what do we think is going to happen in this tight race between 4th, 5th, and 6th in the Prem? And without further ado, let's get on to the podcast with Aram Havan. All right, so uh, coming back on the podcast is Aram Havan. Hello, Aram. What's up, Corey? Uh, how you been since uh, we last spoke with a still a sportsless world unless you are watching Bundesliga soccer? Question mark. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to watch the games when it's quieter. You get to hear the players communicating with each other, which is interesting. You are the first but, uh, person to say you've actually been watching them. Really? Yes. Dude, we have watch parties here. It's like kind of like the uh, inside joke of the podcast right now. I'm going, like, you watching Bundesliga soccer? Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, the people we have asked were Ian. <laughs> <laughs> so, avid Bayern yeah. fan, though. Check his Instagram. Yeah, soccer IQ of zero. Oh, Ian. wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so, but you, Aram does not have a particular German team that he is a fan of he's just a fan of the game because he's that much of a purist <laughs> yeah that's facts that's facts <laughs> what um what have you been doing besides uh watching bundesliga soccer apparently well we can't really uh we can't play on the fields because the fields are being monitored by the town um although those are those restrictions are kind of going away slowly so i have a net set up in my backyard play some soccer tennis so. The locks are getting rusty. I'll just bring out my my uh, cutters <laughs> and I'll just yeah, yeah. I'll take on the world. Uh, yeah. So, in case people haven't noticed, there has been an official update. It seems like all the soccer leagues are officially coming back. Uh, but we're going to talk specifically about the Premier League, and it comes back the seventeenth of June. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. June seventeenth. <laughs> All right, and uh, this is great for Aram because his Manchester United team will still not make it. But <laughs> uh, so let's talk about it. Uh, how do you feel? Yeah. So on that note, Manchester United, um, we're on a roll. I'd say the last like month uh, with the addition of Bruno Fernandez, and I think it's interesting that these teams were given breaks and how each team has responded to uh, like during during the break. Um, with some of the rule changes and everything proposed. But uh, for teams like Man U, Tottenham, and Arsenal kind of underachieving this year, I think it's important that they did rest up and kind of get themselves settled down and and kind of jumpstart um, the second half of the season the way it was supposed to go instead of kind of falling off like they did. Do you so think- I'm, 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 I'm excited to see how Tottenham and Arsenal kind of respond and to see how Man U gets back on track. How do you expect um, the league to resume? Do you expect, like, because leagues are now showing that, like, they're increasing their substitution numbers. I think right, it's yeah. now five. But yeah, uh, do you think overall the quality of play is going to see a dip from where it was? I feel like obviously from where it was midseason, but even, like, let's say if as if they're starting the season over again. Do you feel like just because there's been, like, such a lack of training really for at least two months that we're going to see the overall play of the Premier League dip? 
Um, I think so. I think the intensity will will not will not be the same for sure. Um, I mean, crowds, fans change the game. Um, you always you always play to the advantage of the fans, and if the fans are on your side, they're backing you. Then it gives you momentum. It gives you like an, uh, a different type of energy to just attack and attack and attack. But I mean, without fans, I think the intensity will kind of go away. But it might be a little more. A lot more tactical. So, I mean, I think in terms of intensity, it won't be the same. It might be worse, but um, it's still a beautiful game. So, you know, let's all, let's all just sit down and watch some soccer. You know? It's at a great time slot. It's like right at 8 a.m. <laughs> it's like <Yeah>. optimum <laughs> for 90% of the country who is like in their mid-40s. <laughs> yeah. Who so are wake really... up at 7.30 and watch boring soccer. That's That's what you got to do. Turn on NBC Sports. It's like somewhere if you have DirecTV in the 200s. It's going to take a yeah. while to scramble for it. And there's only going to be two games, and the rest will you'll have to find a Reddit stream. It's awesome. It's really I think, made for the States. I think a lot of the games are going to be shown, though. And um, apparently one of the proposals is that it's they're, they're going to play every single day. Like There's going to be a game every day of the week. Um, so it's going to be the normal weekend schedule where there's games Friday in the afternoon for, for us Eastern time, it'll be a game at three and then Saturday morning, seven thirty, and then 10 and then 12 30 and then three and then Sunday, the same schedule, but there's also going to be games Monday through Thursday at one and three. So it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of soccer on TV. Did they say like how big the gaps are going to be between each team playing their like two games? Is it like an exact time, or is are they just gonna like will a team have to play twice in one week, or is it going to still be the once a week type format? Yeah, so the plan is to complete um, all ninety two remaining fixtures before August second, which is the deadline that UEFA set. Um, so I think what's going to happen is a team will play a game Friday or like they'll play between Friday and Sunday, one game. And then their, their second game will be Monday, any, any time between Monday and Thursday. So they're going to be, they're supposed to play uh, around two games a week on average. So in a way, do you think this will actually benefit like the youth players? Because there's obviously going to be some serious uh, switches in rotation for like, oh, yeah. there's not going to oh, be yeah. like, you're going to see the same lineup all the time. Like you would for the most part yeah. with like very little changes. Yeah, that it's that's that's gonna be it's gonna be cool to see how many players they actually like each squad plays. Um, so a couple things on that is that they're supposed to they're like you said they're gonna try to increase the amount of substitutions from three to five. Um, I actually don't know if that's like uh, finalized yet, but that is one of the that was one of the proposals. They're they're trying to add extra two players on the bench. So instead of seven players on the bench, it's gonna be nine. And they're also trying to re-register players that were um, ruled out for the rest of the season. Um, so, so the squads have to register players halfway through the season for the rest of the season. Um, so players like players like Paul Dummett, who had um, like a tendon injury and they're going to be ruled out for the rest of the season, can actually be re-registered for um, the season restart. And also the youth players. So this is, I think this is going to benefit the youth players a lot. I mean, if teams are playing two games a week, you can't possibly 
um, in, in in a month, in a month and a half, you can't possibly play the same players over and over again. You can't expect Olivier Giroud to play two games in a row. The dude is a yeah. go-kart, for God's sakes. <laughs> He's not a sweet yeah. Ferrari like Kareem. Benzema. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it is going to be tough for, I'd say, like the bottom half of the league teams. Um, because like their, their, their squads just aren't as deep as the, uh, the top-tier teams. So I'm interested to see what, what they do. What other rule changes have you seen that really stood out to you? Um, yeah, so there was the, there were the two games a week. There was, uh, um, the three I, I think, the yeah, I, I think, I think the three subs to five subs is going to be, uh, like a game changer. I'm not sure if that's permanent though. It might just be temporary just for the, for the rest of the season. Um, why do you feel like it's going to be so drastic? I feel like. I feel like subs are a big part of a coach's end game strategy. I mean, when when the players are tired, you every team. Every, I feel like every uh, all star team has like a player off the bench that comes on and just changes the game. Um, the, the the player that comes to my head uh, right now is he wasn't he wasn't like an all star level player, but certainly he did change the games. It was Chicharito on on Man U, and he come on like he he was the best like. Uh, substitute goal scorer for like there was some stat about that um, for like three years or something. So if you have instead of three players, you have five players. Um, it's interesting because it's that's like half of your of your uh, outfield lineup is is gonna switch out. So and do you feel like more because of conditioning teams will use it, or do you think they're also gonna use it strategically? I think I think it's gonna be. You, you look at it and you think, oh, it's for fitness and conditioning. But I, I think at some point, coaches are going are gonna to use it strategically for sure. What, um, how do you feel that teams that – so that's why you think that teams with lower – that are lower in the standing are going to yeah. suffer more because they don't have the resources that these like mega clubs do? Yeah. Uh, the, the, their squads just aren't as deeper. So um, like teams in the relegation – battles are gonna you know might, might suffer from this a little more than teams in the top tier um i mean there's there's teams like brighton that you look at them and they're just they're just good like overall teams and they, they're very fit um and they can run all day and that's how they that's how they compete with the top tier teams uh they might not have the skill to match but but they definitely um pride themselves over their fitnesses their, their fitness levels so so the the darling of this season seems to really be the Wolves, and right now they currently lie in sixth, only two points behind your beloved Man U. But do you feel like their momentum is basically going to be halted now because not only with this gap in the season, but also like you said, like they are a very talented team, but they're not a deep team in the same way yeah. that the eighth and ninth team currently, or even you could argue twelfth with uh, Tottenham, Arsenal, and Everton. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Wolves Yeah, the Wolves were having a good season. So it, it might be tough. Well, the Wolves and Sheffield United were both having good good seasons. And Sheffield's actually another good example of a team that might not have the skill to match the top tier teams, but they're up there because they're, they work together and they're very fit. Um, so when, when the bench, the bench starts getting 
deeper, you start adding two more players to the bench and you start increasing the subs to five. Teams like Sheffield and Wolves might might suffer a little bit because they pride themselves over their fitness. That's why they're that's why they're competing up there. So when more talented teams have more subs, um, they they kind of I, I feel like that might cancel out the the fitness a little bit, not not too much, but but a little bit. So I think that well, it's interesting to see what what Sheffield and Wolves will do when the season restarts. So. Uh, do you feel as if who do you think out of like Wolves, Sheffield? Do you think which one do you think has a better chance of staying in the top six and earning a European competition spot? I th- I think Wolves. I think Wolves. Um, I, I I they definitely if you if you look on paper the Wolves just have more skilled players. They have they have players that they they're kind of wild cards. I, I don't really see many wild cards that can take the game of the scruffment, you know, but, but, and just change it completely. Like they have Ruben Neves, they have Jimenez, they have, um, Adama. you know, so like this, yeah, they have a Triari, just absolute monster. Um, <laughs> physically. Game. So Hulk yeah, in real life. <laughs> yeah. And when you look at Sheffield, they're just, they're coached really well. They're disciplined. Um, but there's not really, uh, they don't really have game changers on that, on that team. So I think the wolves might, have the advantage over them speaking of adama traore do you see the pictures of how much muscle he has lost since quarantine started oh no i have not that's so disappointing he because there's that like famous picture with him just flexing his bicep that looks like it could crush like a bus (laughs) with kids in it yeah and now he just looks like your typical creatine guy at the gym which (laughs) does not sound like a downgrade but when you're talking about adama traore it is a major downgrade to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Um so another team that was notable before coronavirus even really took place was Manchester City for all the wrong reasons and I don't care if there are Man City fans out there listening this is going to be us talking about how your team is corrupt. <laughs> so right. uh I guess bad has gone to worse for Manchester City cuz not only is this they're like one of their last seasons for a few years of being able to be competitive and compete for spots. But at the same time, now they have this huge gap and there's already rumors that were going on during all this, that a lot of their players are basically deciding they're going to leave. So how do you think Manchester city is just not benefiting from this coronavirus at all? Yeah. Um, yeah, they got hit hard <laughs> uh, <laughs> to say the least, but, um, I was going to in terms of like the season itself, I think Man City is in a pretty neutral spot. I mean, they're 25 points away from Liverpool, uh, under Liverpool. So, I mean, two games away, Liverpool's two games away from clinching the title. Um, so I think, I mean, they're not really in that bad of a spot in terms of the table. Oh, I just meant more in terms of like European play. Because yeah, the Champions yeah. League thing is still up on the table. Yeah. So is that is that actually finalized? Are they are they not going to be in the Champions League? I think this is years? their last year of being okay. allowed for like two years. Okay. Um, yeah. So. I mean, I, I that just it, it sucks. I mean, that it sucks to be a Man City player, and it's especially Pep Guardiola too, someone who, um, arguably the best manager in the world right now you know so 
it's tough. I mean, he says he's going to stay, so I, I, I don't know what he's going to do next year. I feel like um, the man lives for that competition. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's such a accomplished manager. I, I, I can't see him um, not wanting to compete in the Champions League. But, I mean, he says he's going to stay no matter what, so I'm interested to see what's going to happen. If you had to power rank the top five managers in the BPL right now, who would they be? Um, so I feel like the game is kind of changing and managers need to adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, for that reason, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really put Mourinho in the discussion with Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola, but, um, I put, I'd still put him at fifth. So he, he, this is his time to show us that he can adapt. Um, cause the game has changed since, since 10 years ago when he won the trouble with, with Inter Milan. Um, so I'm interested to see like what he can do with Tottenham. I mean, he he has such a bad injury-stricken roster, so mm-hmm. it it it's tough to criticize him. But but I mean, if he wants to prove to us that he is the best manager and special one like he claims he is, then this is the this is the chance. So I I put him at fifth. I'd put I'd put Brendan Rodgers up there at fourth because Brendan Rodgers. I, I think he definitely got lucky with Liverpool when they didn't when they came close and didn't win. But he's such a, I think he's such a smart, level-headed manager. Um, and to to bring Leicester City to second and third this season is is I mean it's amazing. I mean I know they won the title, but they're they're they should be a relegation battle team, and they're in third. So I think he's uh, doing a good job there. Um, not really sure about Oli. Oli's kind of a I can't really tell. <laughs> such a roller coaster of. A, the season. I mean, I, I, at the start of the season, I'd, I'd honestly go as far as to say that he might be the worst manager. Um, and then with Bruno Fernandez, I mean, it looked like a completely different team. So, not really sure. I'm not going to put him up there now. But um, third, third is. Who would you say for third? Because I, I think I think Jurgen Klopp and and Pep Guardiola are definitely first and second. Um, and I don't know which one of them is better, but I I I don't know who to put at third. I'm not really sure. Uh, th- honestly, I feel like the job that uh... it might be. I don't know. I I, I honestly was gonna say Nigel Pearson <laughs> for, <laughs> on Watford because I'm just I'm just so biased. I love that guy. I think he's funny. I think he's just such a energetic leader of men. He might be a little harsh towards some people, but. He has really know. inspired Watford with them being what seventeenth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um. But I don't. I don't know who I put at third. I feel like honestly, like it should have obviously been. Um, I'm really blanking on his name right now. Uh, Tottenham's old manager, who I absolutely loved. Oh yeah, Mauricio Pochettino. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it should yeah. have been Poch, but you know, got rid of him because the team was injury prone. <laughs> yeah, I I was gonna say I I was gonna say Poch, but. I realize that he's not in the picture anymore. Isn't that just the best? And Frank Lampard is a huge question mark because his team is just a bunch of young kids. So, yeah, yeah. Again, another one of those coaches who've kind of had a, a roller coaster. Also, pretty unlucky. Pretty pretty unlucky season. I mean, I look back at the the Man U game <laughs> at the start of the season when they lost four nothing. I mean, they, they Chelsea hit the post twice. Got a couple of unlucky calls against them. I mean, like that that game could have been completely different. Uh, and I feel like that's happened a lot with him. Players just need to kind of clean up their touches and just learn how to 
kind of be cool in front of goal, cool and calm. I mean, they have a bunch of young players, so over time, I guess like that'll that'll, that'll come with it. So if you if you look on the board, the standings, it's basically pretty close between four, five, and six. It's yeah, it's three points between Chelsea and Man U, and two points between Man U and Wolves and Sheffield. And then Tottenham yeah. and Arsenal are basically the ugly stepsisters at eight and nine, just being like they're in the back and they were like, we were once really good. <laughs> and now they're just chilling yeah. in the back. But if you had to be clairvoyant or Rom for a minute and really think <laughs> either biasly or unbiasly, who do you think is going to be your four five and six when the season's over? Um, I think it might just stay how it is. Um, unfortunately, as a Manchester United fan, um, because their their energy. So looking from Manchester United's perspective, they they had a lot of energy before the quarantine happened, um, a lot of like fire, and they're they're at the peak of their form. But that with the quarantine, that might have kind of slowed their their uh, their momentum down a little bit. So so I feel like they might stay there. I I don't think Wolves are over will overtake them. I don't think Man U will overtake Chelsea. Chelsea, they have they don't have that that of roster, and they do work well as a team together. Um, so I think I think it might just stay how it is. I think, but I'm, but I'm obviously rooting for Manchester United to to take over Chelsea. <laughs> I think as so. a Chelsea fan myself, I am kind of concerned. I feel like the team is basically a, a three point higher, same story Man U team where we're just all over the place, except I would say more yeah. into Chelsea's part is that it's all young kids trying to figure it out. I mean, like, five of our players basically have played in the Prem for less than two years. Right. So, yeah. and it's like our stalwarts are Azpilicueta and Conte, and Conte currently doesn't want to get out of his car because of the coronavirus. <laughs> so that's pretty sweet. But I understand it at the same time, obviously, and Conte is, like, arguably one of the best Chelsea players of the past 20 years. So yeah, not yeah. not hating on a guy for being like you know what I like living because you know what this might come as a shock I do too and I wouldn't <laughs> want to do it when your team I think honestly if Chelsea didn't have Conte obviously huge game changer it would probably not yeah. drop us out of the top six though yeah I, I don't th- I don't think so either it would probably um, drop us out of even the way Kovacic is playing this season which is literally better than I think anyone ever anticipated Mateo Kovacic ever being <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I do like Kovacic though, so I'm 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 happy to, with with the way he's playing. Yeah, I feel like the only issue with Chelsea ever is goalkeeping, <laughs> and there's a lot of hate out there for manager of the year, <laughs> Kepa. <Yeah. laughs> but <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> but you know, at the same time, like the kid's young too, and it's just it's like you everyone can basically you can argue both ways for Chelsea. You could be like they're inconsistent or you can say they're young in either way, even though they're supposed to be opposite ends of the argument, they're basically the same argument. That's yeah, why they're yeah. up and down. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean young players are gonna be inconsistent. So I mean I feel like it's the same discussion. And Keppa Keppa does get a lot of hate. Keppa Keppa is a good goalkeeper. Um and he is also I mean he is inconsistent. He makes some errors. But uh I mean so does De Gea so I mean, I don't know. People, a lot of people compare him to oh, uh, Kepa to Oblak because they're the same age. Um, but like, I feel like that's such an unfair comparison Wait, for what? both they're players. The same age? Yeah, yeah, Holy they're the same age. God, that, Kepa looks so like he's like that's a preteen. one of the reasons. 
Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I feel like Kemba does get a lot of hate because when you put them next to each other, Oblak is what? Like, what are they? Twenty four, twenty five? I know, I know they're the same age. So <laughs> that's my, my point. Is the same? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, they're the same age, and Oblak is, is an all star goalkeeper. Um, he's in the discussion for you know, top three um, or top five goalkeepers in the world, and Kemba's obviously nowhere near there. But he has potential. He has. Um, he has the potential to become a really good goalkeeper. So I feel like he does definitely get unfair treatment. Um, yeah, and, and in, in that sense, I feel like Chelsea and Man U are kind of kind of similar. They, I, I remember the, the start of the season, um, they, their rosters were, I mean, pretty similar in terms of age. Like, they, they had mm-hmm. the two two of the youngest rosters in the league. So, that I mean, that that's... That's part of the reason why they're both inconsistent, and they have to find their form and their and their players. You know, so yeah. The major difference is that Man U used their transfer window effectively, and Chelsea decided to appeal their transfer ban to do nothing with it. So I'm really glad we threw a temper tantrum and begged to do something when it, we're just like, you know what? Thanks for giving it to us, but we're better than that. So we yeah. don't we don't need some scummy transfer window. It's not it's like our entire impressive. team just went through, like their entire team just basically got done with their freshman year of college. <laughs> right, yeah. It, it's it's definitely impressive how Chelsea is managing to be fourth with not really, I mean, doing nothing in the transfer window and having such a young roster compared to Man U, who obviously have spent so much money in, in the recent years and still have a young roster inconsistency. So definitely impressive that Chelsea is where they are, but they're also compared to like, they're going up against man, U and wolves and Sheffield. So on the other end, it's not really that cool. <laughs> yeah, It's pretty impressive. No, it's, it's at the impressive, same time, yeah. it's kind of weak because we suck no. and everyone else below us. sucks. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. It, it, it is, it is impressive. So, uh, so Leicester City a few years ago was the darling of the Premier League, and now it seems like they have regained their form like out of nowhere. And yeah. what what do you feel like is really the key to this? Because is it just Vardy being like kind of resemblant of the four? Well, Vardy ever since that breakout season's been very solid for Leicester the entire very time. Very consistent, very so, solid. Yeah. So what what really is the difference? Did they find like their Maraz re- replacement, or was it? What, who's really stepped up for this team you think yeah I mean look at the team like they they have they have they have they have some good players on that team like they have they have a goalkeeper consistent they have James Madison I mean they have Vardy they have uh they just they just have I, I think they have a fun roster it's young but it's also they have leaders on that team um and they have a group they have a great manager I, I think Brendan Rodgers is a phenomenal manager so I, I think you that earn like fifth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are the fourth best manager in the Premier League. Good job. Um, <laughs> Phenomenal. According to me, but uh, but yeah, no. He, he, I think I think he's a great manager. So I think when you put it all together, they have a wild cards. They have they have um, consistency. They have leadership, and they just have a fun roster with with a great manager. That's 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 a good team. It seems like the key to a Leicester team being successful isn't even Mares, like I pointed to. It's them having a stalwart center defensive mid, yeah, like Conte, which they searched to find, and now they have it with Ndidi, who's yeah, basically yeah. 
like I would I don't want to say Conte 2.0. I wouldn't even say Conte one. I would say like Conte point seven five. Yeah, he's, he's not Conte, I, I, but he's like yeah, he, he's definitely not. He checks most of the boxes. Yeah, he checks most of the boxes, but I I honestly I put him in a different, slightly different category because he has, um, strength to score. <laughs> yeah, he does have. He has he has strength. He has um, height compared to compared to Conte, of course. But um, <laughs> he's what is he like five ten, five eleven? That's that's taller than Conte. I mean, most uh, kids who with, get to like age eight are taller. But <laughs> yeah, uh, with the with the jumping ability, I mean, he has he has the ability to win headers in the midfield. So, I mean, he, he's all around just a solid holding midfielder. So. Like we talked about a little while ago, Tottenham and Arsenal, the ugly stepsisters, <laughs> are really struggling <laughs> yeah. this season. And which team? They're basically identical. I feel like with their issues and diff, like they both are super plagued with issues, and yeah. they're standing on the overall tables basically the same is what I meant. And who? Right. Which team do you think honestly has a better roadmap to becoming a better team at this point in the future? I'm not saying this season, but like what. What team could plan out and fix their team quicker? You think? Hmm, that's that's a tough question. I I, I don't know which one of them I think is is going to have a better future at the moment. But I think I, I'm I think I'm leaning towards Tottenham um, because I mean if Harry, if Harry Kane comes back and decides to play for Tottenham, decides to be a leader, the leader that he is, I think. With the goal scoring ability, Tottenham could be a completely different team than that than they are now. So, what are the odds I, I, you think I, that Harry Kane actually stays, though? I, honestly, I'm not. I'm not really sure. I, I, I've heard different rumors. I've heard rumors that he wants to play under Mourinho, um, and I've heard rumors that he wants to go to Man U. But that's every player, so <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Every player wants Man U. We're glorious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm 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 not really sure. I mean, if he decides to play, then then I think they could be. I, I'd give them the edge over Arsenal. <laughs> what are you talking about? Arsenal has been awesome for years. <laughs> Peak form. Yeah. They sign. They have one of the best striking duos in the Premier League, and they're in ninth. You do the math. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. That, I don't know. It, it, it's really tough though, because they do have Aubameyang and Lacazette. Um, and I feel like that's something that Tottenham does. They they do lack. They they don't have the attacking ability that Arsenal does. But right. I don't think Arsenal has a defense. So <laughs> that is a great so, yeah. counterpoint. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think Tottenham's future, if you take Harry Kane out of it, completely relies on if Son can be one of the top six players in the Prem. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Son is a class player, though. Um. He he has everything. I mean, he he has the finishing ability. He's cheeky. He's clever. Um, and and he like he is fast too. So he just did his service. Great guy. Always <laughs> respects the medal. Yeah. yeah. Have we really seen the max of what we think Dele Ali is going to be, or is there this other level that like we've hoped to see but haven't? I think I think we have seen his abilities. Um, I know when Mourinho came came to the picture, Deli Ali just went on, on a on a really hot run um, of goals. So there's that, and also a year or two ago, 
Billy Ali was supposed to be like one of the most talented English players in in the squad that they had. So I think I think we have. I think he just needs to find his, his form, his consistency. Um yeah, and maybe maybe we try to become a better leader. I, I, I don't really see him being a leader on the field. Sometimes he's hot headed and gets carried away. I think he needs to start kind of growing up. I still see him as a kid, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. He's like Jesse yeah. Lingard, the 29-year-old kid. Yeah, he's just a way better version of Jesse Lingard. <laughs> I'm sure Tottenham fans yeah. would love to hear that. <laughs> um, I mean, he actually has talent, though, so <laughs> I-, I would like to hear that as a Tottenham fan. As a Man U fan, I'd love to hear if someone was like, yeah, Jesse Lingard's really talented, but... <laughs> I don't hear that from anyone. And I'm I don't just... hear that ever, yeah. I'm still waiting. And they'll be like, don't worry. In like four years, he'll develop into a star. He'll be like 25, yeah. right? No, he'll be like 34. What? What's happening? <laughs> I thought he was a youth player. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they were just giving him like a, a, a tap-in game. Like, go ahead. We're playing Burnley. <laughs> go for it. If you had to pick any team that benefited from the break the most outside of Liverpool, who doesn't need it, <laughs> Yeah. Who who would be the one team that you're like this is actually the best case scenario for them? Um, I, I think honestly, I, I think I'd say Tottenham, um, because they just they had they had too many injuries in in the season. So if some of those injuries start coming, those injured players start coming back to fitness, um, I think we might see a completely different Tottenham. And Mourinho running his illegal practices before anyone yeah. was allowed to in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Who who is Tottenham going to get back that you think is really their game changers? Um. Yeah, uh, I think. Uh, I think. If, I mean, it, I feel like it all revolves around Harry Kane. If he if he can come back and just kind of be a leader for the rest of the season, they could. They could honestly jump up to fifth because they're not that far away from Man U. They're, they're like four points away. Yeah, so. they're even two points away from sixth. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're still they're definitely still in the discussion. Um, yeah. So I I, I think I think Harry Kane. I, I'm not really, I'm not actually sure how long his his injury is supposed to be. Uh, so to counter that, I guess what what would you think a team? Which team was hurt the most by this break? Um. I might, I might go with Man U. I, I just think that they, they were they were really in form before this, and um, again, like they were just a completely different team than than for the first half of the season. So I think uh, if they can continue that form, then that's great. But if they if they can't, then we'll definitely see uh, the effects of the quarantine on them. Um, it's it's either them or or Liverpool. I I, I know Liverpool is still going to win the title, but. It just sucks that it has to be dragged out for them. I, I kind of feel bad, but what do you think Liverpool is going to do when they win? Though, are they just going to try to go for the points record, or do you think that it's going to be they're just like, all right, well, we're just going to sling around our U16s and just have them run wild? Yeah, um, not really sure. Uh, if they if they wanted to continue, they I, I think they could, but or or they could just start playing some youth players because the season's kind of. Uh, it, it, it's it's not really the same anymore. A lot of the managers are complaining about the rule changes and all the differences that are going to come into come into play. 
Um, so a lot of them are saying that the the integrity of the game is going to be lost with all these rule changes. So they might just they might just start playing youth players because it's kind of um, not the same season. Yeah, so. so like in other major sports, like there's been the conversation that like whoever's crowned champion of the season's gonna have like an asterisk, being like this was the COVID season, so it doesn't really count. But you you don't think that would even remotely apply to Liverpool because of how well they're playing, right? Like everyone's basically already settled yeah. on the idea they're gonna win. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool, cruel to do that because they're. I mean, if if Arsenal beats Man City and Liverpool beats Everton in the first fixture in the first in the first match day week then i mean they they won the title there so it would be it'd be tough to to put an asterisk next to, asterisk next to their title where does um, this liverpool, I, I don't think i'd do that where do you think this liverpool team lies in your lifetime for like quality teams cuz you've been watching soccer for a long time i uh, not as much as you but obviously this is like it looks on paper like an historically great team. I've watched a yeah. lot of their games and they just look like they even when they're down, I would like they've been down. I remember specifically they were down against Burnley at some point in the season, like two zero in the 80th minute. And I remember I was like, oh, DraftKings, we're just going to bet the, the Liverpool win here. Yeah. And then it was a three two game and Mane absolutely went off. So. I yeah. feel like they're one of the best teams I've ever seen, but I would like to know, with you being such an avid fan, where you lie. Yeah, I mean they're they're the team to beat, and um, I think I, I, their competition isn't as fierce as other teams in the past. I, I don't think their competition in terms of like Man City this at least this season, Man City hasn't been at their best in the Premier League. Um, and there's Leicester, and then there's Chelsea and Man U. Chelsea and Man U, both young, inconsistent teams. Um, and then there's Wolves, Sheffield. Tottenham, Arsenal are com- completely underachieving. So I think um, I think in terms of competition, it hasn't been that that tough for them. Um, I don't think... That, that's not saying that like they don't deserve the title as much as they do. I mean, they're clearly the best team in, in the Premier League right now. Um yeah, I, I, on paper, they definitely do rank uh, very high compared to other teams in the past. But I think um, the Premier League is loved for its intensity and its competition. And um, a good example a good example year of that was when Aguero won the season in the, like, the last shot of the game mm-hmm. um, oh, off Aguero. of goal difference. <laughs> yeah, exa- yeah, off of goal difference over Man U. They were there at Man U, Man City were head-to-head. Um, and it's tough for me to say, but that probably is the greatest season I've watched um, because of its intensity, its competition. And when a team is 25 points clear on top, um, some 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 would say that, yeah, it's been kind of a boring season. They just kind of run away with it from the first game. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that. Um, there hasn't been really much competition in the Premier League, but they also went to two Champions Leagues in a row. So... Yeah, I was going to um, ask you, do yeah. you think that they have to win this Champions League in order to, like, cement them as, like, one of the best teams we've seen of all time? If they keep um, up this type of form? Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say... Yeah, if they keep this up for a couple of years, two or three years, then for sure they're in a discussion. But um, as of right now, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really do that. Not yet, because... It's not really fair to teams like 
uh, the 99 Manchester United team or um, the Real Madrid and Barcelona teams of this past decade. I mean, Real Madrid won. They've won four. They won four Champions Leagues in six years. Barcelona dominated the La Liga for 10 years. So I, I don't think it's fair to put them in, the, in that discussion. Uh, but in terms of the Premier League in the last couple of years, I'd say hands down, like they're definitely number one. So, I guess as a, a final segue for here is, uh, how do you think this is going to affect the Champions League as a whole? I mean, I've heard that they want to move the final, but that's really all I've heard for what they're expecting. Are they expecting these same like rule changes you discussed at the beginning of the podcast in Champions League as well? Yeah, I'm not sure what the date they set is. So, like, the Premier League, all 92 fixtures that are um, left to play are, are that need to be played are going to be finished before August 2nd. So that's a little less than a month and a half of games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not really sure what, what their plan is, but if they've set a date that they said we are going to finish this season um, no later than this day, uh, I, don't know, I don't know if they've done that yet, but but yeah, I mean, it definitely will affect it though, because Champions Leagues are that you play a home leg and then the away leg, so you kind of use the fans to your advantage. And when there are no fans, um, the team with the in the neutral yeah, arena, <laughs> yeah, and the teams with like the better rosters, I feel like will have the advantage. Um, and I, I I think Liverpool plays with the crowd. I, they're they're such an energetic team. They might not play. The beautiful game sometimes. Uh, they score a lot of scrappy goals, I'd say. But, I mean, championship teams do that. They win scrappy, and they win games that they're not supposed to win. So, I mean, Man- Manchester United did that for 10 years. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not discrediting Liverpool for playing a certain style. Um, but I'm just saying that, like, they always play with the fans. Anfield is a fortress, um, everyone says. So, um, when the, when the fans aren't on your side, when that's a big part of your game, I think it will affect, for sure, the way they perform in the Champions Leagues, uh, Champions League games. I mean, when when Liverpool came back and beat Barcelona, when they're down three nothing, um, they they were going to Anfield, um, and it, it's like people are scared to play in certain stadiums. Um, and then when when they went four nothing, I think that was a big part of that was the the fans. So yeah. Do you think because the Champions League way it's set up anyway, regardless of where it is played, because of like how much time is between each round, even that like this gap in time won't affect the level of play that much in that sense? Like regardless of the COVID thing, just saying like in terms of time it's been since they last played. Um, because these are like all elite yeah. teams left. Like we've moved up s- onto like so far into the Champions League that like it's really just the elite teams left. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not really sure. I'm interested to see what it's going to be like. Uh, Liverpool does have a good roster, so they might they might they might compete. Um, I'm not really sure what the other teams are up to though. Because I know I know a rule that is set is if a player gets tested positive, they do have to isolate for seven days. I'm not really sure 
there, there isn't really a ruling on um, whether multiple players get tested positive and what that what what goes on from there. Oh yeah, like they don't know yeah. like how the team as a whole is going to have to react to it. I would imagine yeah. that they're going to have to. That's going to be such a. It's like all right, so they I've read over like the past two weeks Bleacher Report like constantly updates like because the BPL has been doing screenings like during yeah. training. And I saw for a few days it was like one player, then two players, then three players, and then three players. And then now there was one where there was no new tests. But, like, those are all, like, it was one player. Like, we don't – it doesn't seem like they're doing anything to the teams. But, I mean, that was, like, in training. Like, this is in in match day. Like, if someone's positive during match day with how close you – like, okay, in soccer you're not, like, like, at each other's hips the whole time. But yeah, not the whole time, yeah. For the most part, I'd say for like 30% of the game, you're in close quarters. Yeah, I mean, if if it, like defenders have to, on, on set pieces, especially corner kicks, I mean, you, you, you're you like hugging the opponent. You, you, you don't want them to move. And um, so I mean, that, that that is a risk right there. It's going to so, be very I mean, interesting for Champions League. I feel like it's easier in a weird way to get rid of the champions league and the euro league than it is to get rid of the the individual leagues yeah yeah for sure which would be really fun for man city because like we said this is it (laughs) (laughs) yeah they'd be like you know what we can get rid of it pep somewhere is like no (laughs) just like that doesn't seem the logical thing to do not saying it for any other reason or anything (laughs) Mourinho's in the corner like we can get rid of it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like it'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, Marino probably like went up to the committee. He's like, "Yeah, you know, like I usually am all for it, but like this year I'll let it slide. Like we don't have to do it." <laughs> and then they'd be like, "I never missed one." <laughs> yeah, which would also really suck for Man U because if they keep in fifth, then you no longer have a reason to play. <laughs> I say this, and Chelsea's going to go slide into eighth. <laughs> then I'll just be like, yeah. "Look where we ended up." Yeah, man, you could overtake Chelsea. They could. Um, I mean, they, 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 they're a completely different team than they were before because of Bruno Fernandez. But we'll see. We'll see what goes on there. All right, Aram. This has been great. Uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for uh, just making all the Man U fans out there hopeful. That was nice. <laughs> I'm sure if Owen's yeah, listening, thanks, one of our old roommates, then he is probably enjoying himself right now yeah dude shout out to air ireland yeah absolutely <laughs> big shout out to old air <laughs> yeah all right Aram, uh thanks for coming on we'll be sure to have you on again soon once the season actually kicks off again yeah totally i'm so down to uh <laughs> <laughs> this will be <laughs> come so back, yeah. sweet you would not believe how much i've been motoram to be on this week <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah, Aram, thanks, thanks for coming on yeah thank you see you all right, thanks to Aram for coming on the Cop Podcast and talking all things Premier League soccer. It's going to be the closest thing. We have to sports for a while, and I feel like I close every podcast with talking about how we don't have sports. And you know what? It's looks like it's all about to turn around soon. So I hope with all that's going on in the world right now that we all can take some time and enjoy some sports. All right, thanks for listening, and tune in this Friday with uh, Ian Lenahan.